Today as we come to this fifth of the Simeons, the signs of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Gospel of John, as we come to this fifth one, we see the disciples in the middle of a storm. The Sea of Galilee is known for its sudden storms. The lake is about six miles wide and is 12 to 14 mile long. It is 600 feet below sea level. So it is really like a a bowl-shaped depression surrounded by precipitous hills. Often when the sun sets early in the evening, winds rises over the Mediterranean and blows cold air inland. And as this cold air mixes with the warm air that is coming out of the Lake of Galilee, and as the two airs mix together, they churn the lake into foaming rage. The water can sometimes get up as high as six feet. Twice in the Gospels, we read the Lord Jesus Christ stilling these storms. The first time, Jesus was asleep on the boat. It is recorded in Matthew 8, Mark 4, and Luke 8. John does not record that first one. He records the second one, which is also recorded in Mark and Matthew. Turn with me, if you have your Bibles... To John chapter 6, beginning at verse 15. One evening the disciples riding their boat ashore. was a very short distance on the Sea of Galilee. And there they got caught in one of these famous storms. As waters grew and tempest tossed, the vessel became like a cork on the face of the water. But I want to tell you this is not unlike what happens in the seasons of life. We know what it's like when seasons of calm in our life give way to confusion. We all know in one way or the other when serenity gives way to storm. We know what it's like when life's smooth course is beset by expected waves and unexpected wind. We know what it's like when the daylight surrenders the darkness in our lives. These storms have normally three causes. I want you to listen very carefully, please. It's very important. Only three, not a fourth. The first cause of these storms is Satan himself. He is the author and the perfecter of evil. He tries to pour out his fury. He tries to pour out his anger on those who love the Lord. And the more you love the Lord, the more anger he gets, and the more louder his shout will be. You notice I said his shout, not his bite. He can't bite you. He blew the great wind from the wilderness upon the house of Job and devastated him. And the more Job would cling to the Lord, the madder Satan became. There's a second cause of a storm. It is the stubbornness and the hatred of others toward us. Joseph's brothers were so jealous of him, they were so bitter of him, they sold him to slavery. The commander of the ship was asked by Paul not to sail into the Mediterranean, but out of stubbornness he decided to go ahead and he ended up in a shipwreck. The third cause of storms in our life is the result of our own foolishness, the result of our own disobedience. Jonah was told by the Lord to go east, he decided to go west, and he ended up Deep down. 
The American Medical Association has established that more than half of all diseases are behavior related. Each year, 36 million work days are lost because of drug and alcohol related illnesses. 30 million work days and $2 billion in wages are lost due to illnesses of stress and high blood pressure. You notice when the parodical son turned his back on his father, he ended up in the pigsty. And that is the consequences of our decision. God is not the author of the storms in our life. He's not one of those authors. Satan, others, our own disobedience, our own foolishness. Here in this passage, you find the disciples in a storm that is not of their own making. They found themselves in a storm because of explicit command of the Lord. Because in Matthew, Matthew tells us, in fact, that um, after he miraculously fed the 5,000, and you know they were anxious to make him king by force. You remember from the last message? And Jesus, knowing that the only reason they really like him is not because they have a spiritual commitment to him, but it's because he fed their stomachs. So he decided to go away to the mountain. Matthew said that the disciples were supposed to meet him on the other side of the lake. They awaited for Jesus to come back from the mountain, but he was delayed. So they decided to go back to Capernaum. And on their way back, halfway in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, it's really a lake called the Sea of Galilee, they began to experience one of these famous storms, one of these churning storms, And even those veteran seamen were scared to death. You see, God never promised us a smooth sailing in the sea of life. He really hasn't. Read your Bible. On the journey to heaven, we were never promised, row, row your boat gently down the stream. I was never promised. On the way to glory, we were never promised a perpetual picnic and the sun is shining all the time. No. Storms come unplanned and unexpected. Storms rise unsought and unwelcomed. Storms rage uninvited and unaccepted. As soon as the disciples encountered the raging storm, they began to struggle hard against the wind and the waves. And the more they're rowing, and the more they distressed, they began to feel. I want to ask you a question. You probably asked that yourself already. Did Jesus know of their condition? Did he know of their predicament? Here they are. In a storm that is not of their own making. You and I often find ourselves in a tempest. Which we have not caused. Sometimes we find ourselves taking battering that is not of our own making. You and I face some strange storms in life sometimes. Whether it be in our health. Whether it be loneliness, whether it be fear, whether feeling of betrayal or feeling of rejection, whether losing of a job, losing of a loved ones, whatever the storm in life may be, Jesus knows all about the storms of your life. He really does. He's watching from the mountaintop and he's feeling for you. And he is sharing with you. And he is in the midst of that storm with you. You know, in my daily devotional Bible that I read the Bible once a year, in the chronological Bible, I've been reading about Daniel lately. And I reflected on this several mornings in a row, of the incredible faith of this man. And he stands firm as he was heading down, marching toward 
the den of lions are going to devour him. And that one time, I tried to read that several times to see if he ever at one time said what I would have said. As we're heading toward that den of lions. I know what my response would be. I says, Lord, is this the way you treat your friends? Lord, is this the reward of my faithfulness? I would have said, Lord, I thought you would give me a castle on an airplane, right? For my faithfulness to you. Lord, I thought you would have given me this or given me that. Lord, I thought you would have given me lots of friends to defend me in this hour. Where are they? They're all gone. But not Daniel. Daniel knew that before any of these lions will ever touch his skin, he would have been translated into the city that is not built with hands. And therefore, he was going like a hero, marching in a parade. I know my God is able. I know my God is able. I know my God is able. I want to tell you, you know the old story, good news, bad news, is bad news. It is that if you're a believer, you will be tested by fire. But here's the good news. Jesus will save you from the fire. And here the disciples did not know where Jesus was. (laughs) But you know... Even though he was praying up on the top of the mountain, they were in the hollows of his hand. It's very hard to imagine that, but they were. They were in the hollows of his hand. When you find yourself in the midst of this tempestuous trial, you can rest assured that the Lord is watching over you. That the Lord is not too far away from you. That the Lord sticks to you closer than a brother. The eyes of the Lord, said the scripture, run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those who are his. Interesting, when uh, the meatpacking magnate Philip Armour was a young, struggling businessman, I mean, really was struggling in his business, one day he received a phone call from his banker. And you can imagine the banker was not going to tell him happy birthday or have a nice day. The banker said what bankers always say. He said, I'm worried about the loan in the bank. Armour's reply was, there's no use. Both of us are worrying over the same thing. And he hung up. (laughs) I want to tell you, that's what the Lord is saying to us. There is no use, both of you and Jesus, staying up all night. He's staying up because he has to. In order that you may not have to. But notice Jesus did not come to his disciples the moment they found themselves in the storm. That's what you and I would like to happen, right? But that's not how it happened. Jesus did not come to Bethany the moment he heard that Lazarus was seriously ill. He didn't. Listen carefully, please. Jesus always has a purpose in his delay. It is not purposelessness. He knows what he's doing. He knows his timing. And his timing is always perfect. Here Jesus doesn't come to his disciples until the fourth watch. Do you know what that is? That's between 3 and 6 a.m. I mean, the headwind was so strong that if you read carefully what John is saying, that they rode about three miles in six hours. That's on average a half a mile an hour. Half a mile an hour. Have you ever rode with a strong headwind for six hours? Well, I haven't. I pray to God, never will. I tell you what, after the first few minutes, I would be singing nearer my God to thee. (laughs) In fact, that's what some people sing when they come in the car with me. (laughs) 
I have a former friend. He's a fo- a f- <laughs> he said that uh, when he gets in the car with me, or used to get in the car with me, as soon as I hit 45 miles an hour, he said uh, he starts singing, God will take care of you. And Frank, when I get to 55, he said he would sing, Guide me, thou great Jehovah. And when I get to 65, he starts singing, Nearer my God to thee. At 75, he'll start singing, Nearer, still nearer. At 85, he'll say, This world is not my home. <laughs> and when I get to 95, he said he'll start singing, Lord, I'm coming home. <laughs> And when I go over 100 miles an hour, he said, he starts singing precious memories. (laughs) Listen, at least four of these disciples were seasoned sailors. They were making their living off the water. They were no bunch of amateurs. They knew how to handle the boat through rough waters. But these veteran seamen knew They knew enough to know that this is too dangerous, that unless something happens, they are gonna. At that point, most likely some of them, as probably most of us would have thought, the master's forgotten us. Have you ever thought that Jesus has forgotten you? Have you ever got to the point of saying, he does not hear me anymore? I keep praying, but he's not listening. I keep asking, but I'm not receiving And these fellows start bucking the headwinds in the midst of darkness and bellow sea and wondered where the master was. Is he there? Where is he? Where did he go? Had I been with them, I would have felt exactly the same, if not worse. I want to tell you something. Please listen. One thing about God is that he is never in a hurry. He is never in a hurry. I've not known him to be in a hurry. (laughs) Omnipotence can afford to wait. (laughs) While Jesus did not come immediately, but I want you to notice that he did come. Blessed be his name. He did come. He always comes on his schedule, on his timetable. But I want you to notice if you look at the passage, see how he came. You notice how he came. He used the very treacherous waters as his pavement. (laughs) He used the very waves that threatened to swallow them as his riding vehicle. He used the very dangerous wind as a mode of his transportation. Suddenly they looked through the darkness and the foam and, and they caught a glimpse of a figure who was majestically coming toward them. You know, I'm told that a plane, normally a pilot, likes to go around the storm, or at least some of them do. The ones I fly with, they don't. They go through it. But Jesus always comes through the storm, in the middle of the storm. He doesn't have to go around it. He used the very storm to be a blessing in your life and in my life. He really does. The greatest moments of my spiritual growth are the moments of my brokenness. And while the disciples were yelling at each other in confusion, as always the case, when we get into trouble, they saw him. But they thought he was a ghost. You see, they did not expect Jesus to come this way. We have our own expectations of how Jesus should act, how he should intervene in our lives, how he should answer our prayers. But he doesn't do that. He comes the way he wants to come. And Jesus said, the most magnificent words in the Bible... 
Be of good cheer, it's I. Be not afraid. Be of good cheer, it's I. Do not be afraid. Do you see something in this passage that I see? The Lord showed me that very clearly this week. It's an incredible, incredible insight the Lord gave me. He said, before he took them out of the storm, he took the storm out of their heart. You know what? He could have immediately stopped everything. He said, okay, storm stop. And they said they would have recognized him the same way. But he didn't do it that way. He came to them first. He was talking to them first. He took the storm out of their heart. He gave them comfort in the heart. He gave them the peace that passes understanding. He gave them the joy unspeakable. And then he stopped the storm. He takes the storm out of our hearts first. And then he stops the storm. Have you ever faced a storm of temptation? Anxiety? Illness? Suffering? Tragedy? Divorce? Rejection? Hurt of any kind? Pending death? Whatever it may be, you can always be certain that Jesus is there with you. He is always taking the storm out of your heart before he stills the storm in your life. You can be certain about one thing. God never causes storms. He's not the author of evil. Satan does. Others do. We do for ourselves. And in his sovereignty and his magnificent love, he uses the storm to make us better, to improve us, to sharpen us and prepare us to rule with him in heaven. But he does more than that. He goes through the storm with us. He matures us and he calms us. We cause storms, sometimes intentionally and sometimes unintentionally. There's a true story that has taken place in about the mid-twenties in the eastern seaboard. Right in the New York State area, there was a severe blizzard. And trains at that time were moving extremely slowly because of that. Terrible hazards and they couldn't see very well. That was not just in New York State, but the entire Northeast. And this one particular train was literally crawling because of the extremely poor visibility. Among the passengers was a woman with a baby in her arm. And the lady was so deeply concerned about getting off at the right station, she was not familiar with that area. And a man sitting across from her said to her, he noticed her anxiety And he said, I know this line very well. Rest assured, I will tell you when your station comes. In due course, the train stopped at the station before the one in which the woman needed to get off. And the man assured her that the next station will be hers. And they went for a few minutes and the train stopped again. And the man said, now, here's your station. Please leave quickly. She grabbed her baby and grabbed her bag and got off the train. At the next stop, the brakeman called the name of the station where the woman really wanted to get off. Numbness began to fall all over his body. And he called to the brakeman. He said, you have already stopped at that station. The brakeman said, no, sir. 
He said something was wrong with the engine. And we stopped for a few minutes to repair it. And the man was in anguish. Alas, he cried. I put the woman off in the storm when the train stopped between stations. He didn't intend it. A few days later, they found the woman and her baby in arms, both frozen to death. It was a terrible, tragic consequence of wrong direction. Because of others' mistakes, sometimes we get thrown into storms in life. But you know what? Jesus never sent us into a cold blizzard. He never sent us into a storm. But when we face the storms of life, we can be sure that he has gone ahead of us, with us, beside us, and behind us. Because Jesus never makes a mistake. The Apostle Paul said he cooperates all the evil and brings good out of them somehow in his sovereign economy. Are you going through some storms in your life today? The Lord can still that storm as we pray. As we stand in the presence of a holy God who loves us so dearly. The scripture said he loved us first. Then we loved him. And he loved us unconditionally. Not because we were good. We were not good at all. We were yet sinners. Jesus died for us. It's an unconditional love. And while I don't know when the Lord will stop the storm in your life, I know this. I know that he wants to take the storm out of your heart before he takes you out of the storm. Our Father God, we thank you and we bless you for the promises of the scripture. Your promises are true as you are true. Father, we thank you for the teaching and for the knowledge that we have from your word. That the Lord Jesus Christ comes into every storm in our life and he stands with us. He walks with us. Just as he walked with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego into the fiery furnace. Father, we bless you that it is your desire to take the storm out of our lives. Even though before you still the storm. We lift up our hearts to you, our God. Renew us and refresh us that we may become ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in His name I pray Amen Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef recently featured on Leading the Way If you'd like to know more about us please visit ltw.org That's ltw.org